Let's read together from God's word. The first reading is 1 Peter 1, verse 13 to 23. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Now Luke chapter 12 Verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So far the reading. Well, it's um, great to be here. I always enjoy uh, coming up the northwest coast. 
Um, I thought your service started at half past nine. Oh, sorry, 10 o'clock. Uh, the reason I'm slow is because I'm from the south, OK? I can't, <laughs> can't help it. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know me, my name's um, Hans Kelder. So I've been preaching in the Reformed Church for about 40 years now. So I'd better be good, eh? I mean, <laughs> I've been doing it for 40 years. Uh, it's been a real honour and a privilege. So now I've uh, retired from ministry. Uh, but one of the things I did, apart uh, from ministry, because I ended up being in churches who couldn't afford full-time pastors, so I also ran uh, Hobart Marriage Counselling. Uh, so I do marriage counselling in Hobart. Uh, and it's very busy, really. But I'll tell you what happened to me on Friday. So in my um, office, or my room, as they call it, I've got all these uh, Christian books. I've got the Lord's Prayer on the wall. So I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm a Christian. And this uh, guy said to me, so I said, I noticed you're a, you're a Christian. Now, if you're talking to an unbeliever, you've got to be really careful, actually, because you don't want to sort of... You kind of do it subtly. So I said to him, yeah, look, I'm a Christian because uh, basically... I just cannot get to a point where I have to believe that everything in the universe comes from nothing. Like, I just can't, I just can't go there. So it makes sense to me that there is a creator God. And then I said to him, not only that, but once you believe in God, it, you know, Christianity, we, we live well. Like, like, I enjoy being a Christian because I've got a good life. If you believe in God, you, you've got a good life, actually, because you're actually living in God's reality, which is a great place to be. So I mentioned that to him, and then he told me he had faith, but um, he, he'd given up on it. And then I said to him, well, I said, this I can tell you. I said, God will leave the 99 and go after you if you've left the flock. So I left it with that. So that gives someone, someone something to think about, doesn't it? So it's just a way, because I've got to be careful, because I'm not allowed to proselytise from a counsellor. Uh, but nevertheless, I feel it's always a great opportunity just to say something to somebody um, you know, who, who asked the question. So, so that's important. Uh, but the thing that is really true, and I really love telling people, it's, it's just great knowing who God is and, and having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And particularly like a passage like this where he says, do not worry about your life. Uh, a wonderful uh, passage for us to be encouraged by. So... Um, for many uh, people, the COVID-19 is the uh, it's been somewhat of a pandemic, but anxiety is is an ep epidemic. I get I see so many people who are really anxious, and there's so many people now on anti-anxiety tablets, and, and, and a lot of people are depressed that come across across a lot of that. Uh, but here we have uh, the promise of Jesus: Do not worry. I was watching a video uh, recently and there was this band of about five to six men and they were playing these brass instruments and they were playing the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. I'm sure you've heard that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. It goes like this. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note by note. Don't worry, be happy. In every life we have some trouble but when you worry, you make it double. 
Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Da, 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 da. It goes like that. And then it goes, don't worry, be happy. Now, this song was played by this small brass band in the streets of a bombed city in Ukraine. So they were standing there playing, but in the background was this sort of dystopic scene of these, 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 these buildings that had just been bombed by the Russians uh, in Ukraine. They were playing, playing the song. I also saw a, another video of a Christian choir singing uh, at the entrance of a subway station, uh, you know, when the Russians first came in. A Christian choir singing Christian hymns uh, to comfort people uh, in the situation that they were in in Ukraine, this, this horrific, this horrific war. So is it possible uh, to read these words of Jesus and to trust Jesus not and, and actually get to a point where you don't worry when you've got this going all around? Is, is it possible to do that? Is it possible to apply the... The words of Jesus, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now it's interesting, there's a comma there. Sometimes we read, do not, be, do not worry about your life, and then we read the other bits, but you've got to actually stop and go, do not worry about your life. Now when Jesus says to you, do not worry about your life, he actually means don't worry about any aspect of life. He says, Basically, you've got nothing to worry about. So anything in your life, don't worry. Don't worry about your health, not your work, not your children, where you're going to live. Don't worry about climate change. Don't worry about war, droughts, floods, whether you pass your exams. Do the best in all these situations. In other words, serve God. After that, don't worry. That's, what, that's, that's the passage. That's what it says. Jesus wants you to have a worry-free life. That's the gift. Now, it's interesting. There's a contrast in the text, actually. It's like as though you've got people who worry over here and you've got others over here who are seeking first God's kingdom, living in God's kingdom and trusting the king. Now, is it possible to take these words of Jesus to heart and have a worry-free life. Is it, is it possible to actually do that? The easy answer is yes. The true answer is yes. But it's difficult. You see, your faith says one thing, but what happens is that your body feels something else. You, you, you can feel the worry. When things aren't going right, when there's concern, and, 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 and you know, actually the, the, the body's created to, to, to create fear in you just in case things aren't aligned. I mean, that's the way God's created it. Is it possible to go against these feelings then? Don't worry. Well, what about the Christians in Ukraine? How would this apply to them? You know, it's interesting, if you, if you go to the internet, you can read the testimony of, uh, of Ukrainian Christians, which is good to do, actually. 
And there you can read the testimonies where people actually put their hope and trust in God in war. And their faith in Jesus has made a lot of difference to them. One woman shared, for example, the love of Jesus and the community of a local church sustains her during this difficult and challenging time. Without God, I would not be able to do anything. Lena shared with us, I love him with all my heart. Faith in God becomes real when you're in those situations. Another person said, the Bible is more important than bread to me now. Ukrainian Christians report of miracles in the midst of war. Yesterday, we were outside a park delivering bread to people. I had some Bibles in my vehicle. One lady saw them and asked, are they Bibles? Can I have one, please? And other people, 80 and 90, just came to the car and asked, can I have one? One man in his 70s stood there with his uh, bread in one hand and the Bible in the other, and he said, I think the Bible is more important than daily bread for me personally now. I've never prayed before. I've never been to church. I've never read the Bible. Now it's time for me to get closer to God. This is God does a work, you see. God does a work. You know, we see all the trouble in the world, but basically, as Christians, we understand what Jesus is doing. He is preparing his bride for when he returns. That's what, that's what Jesus is doing. We see the stuff up here, but down here, just like the cross, they all thought they were going to get rid of Jesus. Yep, that's what it looked like up here, but down there, God was doing a work. That, that's, that, that can, it continues that way. That's always how God works. And we're part of that kingdom, see, where God's doing his work. God is working hearts and lives of Ukrainians. Now in the passage, Jesus actually addresses the very basic fear of people of his day. In Jesus' day, people worried about food, they worried about clothing, both were not easy to come by. Both in Jesus' day were very expensive in comparison to what we pay today. In fact, I was talking to my Lebanese barber about the dire situation in Lebanon and he explained to me that a crop of lettuce, we complain about it here, half a day's wage, half a day's wage, so dire, half a day's if you want to buy a crop of lettuce. Food. If there's no food, you would worry. If, 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 if the only clothes you had were the clothes that were on your back and that's it, you would tend to worry. And so Jesus, through the illustrations of ravens and wildflowers, Jesus is saying, look how God creates and provides for them. If this is how God creates, provides for the birds and for the fields, how much more valuable are you than birds? So it's very clear from these words that human life is far more valuable than plant life and certainly animal life. You know, just as a side here, 
In our society, we've got this completely wrong. Our society has got this completely wrong. In Tasmania, for example, bird eggs are regarded as more valuable than the human child. Did you know that? Bird eggs are more important. The, the, the egg of a bird is more precious in our society than the child in the womb. If I was to go into one of our national parks, climb up a tree, break an egg, I'll guarantee it, I'll end up in front of the courts and I might even end up getting fined because I've, I've done damage to the environment. And yet in our society we will give doctors money and subsidise them to take a child out of the womb. Jesus says, we've got it wrong. We are far more precious than the ravens and the grass. Much more valuable than birds. Your life is created by God. He takes care of you. And then on a somber note, it will come to an end. There's nothing we can do about that. You cannot add a single hour to your life. All the days ordained for me are written in your book. It's, it's interesting how you read Psalm 139. Look, you can worry, spend your whole life worrying, or you can believe that to God you are most valuable. It's in, the, it's, it's in that Peter passage. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of the Creator Himself shed on the cross. Flowing from his wounded side, flowing from his hands, his head, his feet. The blood of Christ. You are as valuable to God as his own son. That's how valuable. As valuable as his own son. So that's sell. We need to see ourselves. So God values our life, and if we understand that he values it, we should also... So what are you going to do with this valuable life? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to now take this valuable life of yours and then waste it on material things when instead you could live in God's kingdom? That's the next part of the passage. Jesus explains again, and he does this again by means of contrast. He does this a lot, actually. He says, look, you've got the pagans over here, right? So they reject God, and they're worrying, and they're pursuing the material. That, that, that's what they're doing, the pagans. And then you have the followers of Jesus, you have, you have his disciples, you have people who belong to his kingdom, 
and they are in his rule and they pursue the things of God. If you want a worry-free life, seek first his kingdom, pursue God's kingdom, have a God-centered life. Uh, because let me tell you, uh, a worldly life will add worry and the worldly life will consume you. It'll take over, actually. A couple of months ago, I received a letter from a lawyer. Now, if you're a psychotherapist or a counsellor, uh, your worst nightmare is a letter from a lawyer because someone's complaining about what you've done. So you could be sued. Well, it wasn't one of those letters. But nevertheless, I got a letter from a lawyer. So there was a case where a woman had difficulties with her husband. They were fighting over the custody of the children. And her lawyer wanted my notes. So you've got to write case notes. So the lawyer wanted my notes. And I thought, ah, oh, this is a bit of a problem. Because when couples come, they sign an agreement that I will not... Uh, release notes for court cases unless both parties agree. But anyway, she wanted the notes. There was an in interchange of um, emails and uh, next thing you know, I get a letter. She wants to subpoena my notes. So that means I've got to hand them over. Anyway, I said, no, well, I can't do that. So I prayed about it. Lord, give me wisdom. What should I do? And I thought to myself, I need to apply this text, actually. So I'm not going to lose sleep over this. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm going to hand this over to the Lord. I thought, hands, you need to practice what you preach, which is, which is true. So I left it. And so then I got this uh, hearing. I wrote an objection to the court. There was a court hearing. Prayed to the Lord about that. Slept that night. So there was a court hearing about my objection. So there was a court hearing. So what happened with the subpoena and my court hearing? I think I should tell you at the end of the sermon. That, that way you'll... <laughs> what should I tell you now? I'll tell you what happened. So um, that's the cost of my fortune. They had to get a judge, all the lawyers, everybody there... Uh, the case was in Launceston, but they allowed me to do it by phone. So they went through all the formalities and then they said, oh, the client has withdrawn the subpoena. <laughs> withdrawn. Oh, such a sigh of relief. And I thank the Lord. So things that worry us. But the antidote for anxiety, the antidote for fear and worry is understand your life precious to God, who's going to take care of you. He promised that. You belong to his kingdom, the rule of God. And we have this privileged life where we can serve him and seek him. Life in God's kingdom means we get to talk to the king, our father. In fact, Jesus himself experienced this. Worry. If, if you look at the, what happened to him in the Garden of Gethsemane, we read, we read in Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
So Jesus feels it. And he prays three times addressing God, my father, if it is possible for there to be another way. But Jesus concludes his prayer by saying these words, and he focuses on the kingdom and the rule of God. May your will be done. We do this in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Those two. That's what Jesus is doing. Your will be done. Jesus surrendered, surrendered his life to his Father. Jesus is trusting God, and he receives eternal glory from God. Now, in our text, Jesus explains to us that we need to have something on our hearts. Basically, Jesus says we need to treasure God and we need to treasure the things of God. And Jesus again uses this contrast. He says, the pagans, Jesus' words, by the way, they are selfishly chasing the material, which in the end will leave them empty. But you, as citizens of the kingdom, we need to do the exact opposite. Our call is to be like God, actually. And if we're going to be like God, we need to look after human life. It's very practical. Basically what we need to do, we need to take care of and be generous to the poor. That's what it says in the text. That's the call of Christians. Not chasing material things, but no, no, how am I going to help the poor? You, uh, citizens of the kingdom, need to be exactly opposite. And Jesus gives us a very practical way for us to follow him. It's about taking care of each other. It's about taking care of the poor. In verse 33, it says here, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Ah, we don't like that passage. Maybe not. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Now, Jesus is not saying here you've got to sell all your possessions. It is, however, about possessions. I think a better way to interpret this in our time is that we live in a fairly wealthy culture and we can decide not to have a lot of things that we don't really need in the first place so that we can put this money aside and give it to the poor. The Bible speaks in many places, particularly the book of Proverbs, actually. It's very good. Whoever is kind to the needy honours God. I like that. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. The generous will themselves be blessed and those who share food with the poor. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing. Now, as you do that, you will build up, Jesus says, a treasure in heaven. So, we're going to stick to with Jesus again he does his contrast so there are things that we can accumulate that will wear out the things that the pagan run after and collect uh, which in the end thieves will steal 
or they'll just wear out or moths will destroy. Basically, the, all the material things that you've ever collected at some point are going to wear out or you're going to wear out before them. You can't take them with you. That's, that's basically what Jesus is saying. So pure deductive reasoning would conclude that that's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus offers you, and you can choose today, you can choose today to have a purse that's not going to wear out. What's that? You can have a purse that enables you to build up and invest in a treasure in heaven that will never fail. That's the purse thing. Let me tell you about worn-out purses. You've got them somewhere, unless you throw them in the rubbish bin. A worn-out purse is, is a purse that's empty. You get rid of worn-out purses. They're empty when we do, and the money from those purses also wears out. That's what Jesus is saying. There's nothing that lasts on earth. Not a thing. Jesus says, you can have a purse that's not going to wear out. What Jesus means by this is that the money you give to the poor, whether it's for their physical needs or for their spiritual needs, in other words, for the gospel, is like putting money in a purse that will never wear out. The money you give to the poor, either, either materially poor or spiritually poor, it will be an eternal value to you. That's what the passage said. Eternal. Giving to the poor is like building up a treasure in heaven that's going to last forever. Your money will have an eternal effect and you will know what that is. You will know what that is. Now we know what a treasure is. We know what a treasure here is. What the heavenly treasure is, we don't know. In fact, it's not really explained in the text. Just that we will have an eternal treasure where there are no thieves, no moths, no rust. It's not going to wear out because it's a forever treasure. I like that. That's good. What a promise. But there's even more to that because basically it reflects where your heart is. If your heart is focused just on building earthly treasures, it's guaranteed you're going to have lots of worries. Guaranteed. Because that's all you'll be thinking about. That's all you'll be anxious about. Spare yourself that one, Jesus says. If your heart's set on God and his kingdom, if God rules in your heart, when your heart is set on, on, on what God wants us to share and do, with our treasure, care for the poor, you'll have far less worries in life. That's the promise. Far less. In fact, God will materially take care of you in such a way that you can even be more generous. That's the promise. It's all over scripture. Corinthians, other passages, you can look them up. This passage, Jesus calls us to faith. And really wants us to apply our faith. Let's not read this passage 
and uh, be like that house that's built on the sand. Let's read this passage again. Yep, I, I should really do this. It's about time I got serious with this part of my life. It's a very practical way to put our faith into practice. You need to work this out. You, you know, as couples, you need to have a discussion. You know, um, rather than go home and forget about what I preached about, you know, we really need to get serious about this because this is one thing that we don't do seriously. Because we live in a world where we just get caught up with the way that people live in the world. You need to have a discussion as a couple. You need to teach your children. Our children need to learn this. How am I going to get my priorities right? What, you know, what, what do I want to do with, 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 with the wealth that God's given me? Do not worry. If you're going down this road, you don't, don't worry. God, God will look after you. Put your faith in Jesus and his ways. So to sum up what I've said this morning, you, look, you, you, can, uh, you can either spend your life worrying or you can believe that you're, 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 you are most valuable to God. And what God wants to do is put you on this way of valuing things the way that he valued things and then you won't you won't worry live focused on the way God does things his kingdom now you can invest in what wears out spend your whole life accumulating stuff or you can build a treasure in heaven and while you're building that treasure in heaven it's not as you're going to miss out you don't miss out. You don't miss out here. Because you're going you're gonna to know, you're going to feel good about yourself because you, you've prioritised yourself on a different path, which is really what... This is really a, a gift of Jesus to us. You know, Jesus never comes along with these, these, these ideas to, to, to make life hard for you or, or to make life difficult or, or, or to ruin your life or to restrict your life. That's not, that's not what God does. Jesus comes up with these things because he wants you to live a full life. He, he wants you to live, understand what, what it really means to, to, to live a full, spiritual, walking with him, joyful, glad, blessed life. That's why he gives us these things. But often we read the scripture and go, oh, yeah, that's a bit hard, really. I don't know about that one. No, 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 no. No. He sets a path of life. For us. That's why we need to, to take these words and, and really make a change. Make the change. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and uh, we want to come before you with a sense of humility, really. Because we've read these words, we know of your promises, we know of your gifts. We know you set a life before us, and yet we can be as stubborn as the people of Israel. We just go our own way. We get caught up in the world, caught up with the values of the world. We get caught up in all kinds of things, and then we forget uh, that you have set before us a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of gladness, and a life that is worry and anxiety-free. This is the gift that you give us.
in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we confess, O oh God, that often we, we don't listen to you or we don't really take you serious. It's sin when we do that. We ask that you would forgive us. Forgive us, O oh God, where your word is very clear, but often we do not follow it with our heart. So we confess, O oh God, that this is who we are, but we ask that you would forgive us. We ask, O oh God, that you would renew your Holy Spirit within us. Take, grant us, O oh Lord, your spirit. We ask, Father, that you would be patient with us when we're wrong. But help us to be clear. Clear about what you want. Clear about your promises. Help us to be clear. Help us to make the changes that we need to, to make uh, so that we can live more aligned with your will with your peace, O Christ, in our hearts. Give us insight, wisdom, the ability to discern every day in the way that we walk with you. Help us to bear witness to you, not only to those in the outside, but even to those who are close to us, that they can see in us that you are alive in us. Your spirit is at work in us. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with the poor, the needy, with those who are in Ukraine, our brothers and sisters there who are struggling. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work despite men who seek to destroy. We know, O oh Lord, they sought to destroy you, but you did a work. That's our faith. That's our comfort. And so here again, we see men doing a destroying work. But you bring life, you bring hope, you bring peace. You're preparing your bride. And we thank you, Lord, for the confidence that we may have in you, that in this world where there is heartache and trouble, where we see uh, droughts, fears, there's plenty of things for us to, to fear, but we need not fear because you are doing your work. And we know, Lord, that what your work is to bring people closer to you, to bring the gospel. Because when people are in hopeless states, that's when they call upon you. And so we love you, O oh God, for the way that you are working. And may we be part of your work in this and not be overwhelmed by the way that the world works with this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.